athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. It's a Memorial Day kind of weekend and got a good show for you as we generally do here on the program. Going to do a little bit of reminiscing today here on the program. Music is going to help us to reminisce. Also, I'm going to share a couple of stories from uh, my youth and, of course, some back in the day stories as well. And we want to tell, of course, some present stories as a matter of fact as the most talked about person in America this week was Robert F. Smith, billionaire Robert F. Smith, who pledged to pay off all of the debt of the graduating, the 2019 graduating class of Morehouse. What a gift. And it's estimated to be right around $40 million or so. And I mean, what a what an act of kindness uh, for this gentleman to step up in this manner. Uh, the Morehouse administration had no idea that he was going to, in fact, do this. And this is just a wonderful deal for all of those students um, who have that debt. You know, I was a, when I was a student at Morgan State, you know, I was a resident of Maryland. Morgan State is a state of Maryland University. So I didn't have, you know, my fees weren't as high. Morehouse College is a private school. You know, I went to a public school inside of my state. So, you know, if my memory serves me correctly, I mean, it seems like maybe to go to class and to take full, to take a full-time load and to stay on campus Maybe it was something like five thousand dollars or something. I can't even remember if it was, may you know, may have been per year, it may have been per semester, maybe a little less than that. And then ultimately, to just take classes as a full-time student seemed like it was maybe fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand a semester or something like that. I don't remember at this point, but for him to be able to step up and wipe out all of the debt. Um, to the, for those students, it's a benefit not only to those students, but obviously those that that you know, the college is going to be able to benefit as well because they won't, uh, you know, that that money that um, is outstanding from students will in fact be paid. Uh, obviously, if you take out a student loan, I mean, ultimately um, the, the 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 whatever entity you took the loan out on pays the university and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm sure there's some things that fall through the cracks where the university is going to have, you know, a, a, a it's a debt 
if you will. So all of that, he says, is going to take care of that, pledges to take care of that. The most talked about man this year, or this week, I should say, Robert F. Smith. Going to talk a little bit more about that today on the program and uh, what, uh, what, in fact, a generous, generous offer he has made. Um, also, we're going to talk about the Magic Johnson and Los Angeles Lakers deal here today on the program. I also want to talk some NBA as well. Want to talk Raptors and Bucks. Want to talk, obviously, Golden State is awaiting to see who it's going to play in the NBA Finals. So I want to talk about that as well and what Golden State was able to do to, to sweep Portland in that fashion without Kevin Durant. Also in game four, they did not have Andre Iguodala and still able to really make some things happen. That was very, very big for the Warriors. I mean, I don't know if it much matters who they play. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, this is my thing. I think if the Bucks ultimately win this series, I think that the Bucks can beat Golden State. If Toronto wins this series, I, I'm not sure about that. Not sure. I mean, I think it's still in limbo whether or not Kevin Durant is going to play. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to play in this series, but I guess you'll never know. Nothing is is actually definitive at this point. So we'll talk a little bit of uh, NBA playoffs also today here on the program. Now, hear this. If you didn't know, R.J. Cole, who was the box to row rookie of the year last year, first team box to row All-American, the guard for the Howard Bison um, is transferring. He has transferred now to UConn. He's going to have to sit out a year, and it's going to be available for the 2020-2021 season. So what does that exactly mean? Because, you know, I know for a number of years, and probably going back some 20 years ago, when I was the sports editor of the student newspaper at Morgan State University, the spokesman, you know, I wrote about the fact, and this was actually back in 98, about the fact of uh, student athletes attending HBCUs. And it's something that obviously I've really talked about since then. Seems like we can get from time to time these students to attend these HBCUs, but then we have a hard time keeping them. R.J. Cole, a former three-star recruit out of out of famed St. Anthony's in New Jersey, which, by the way, is closed down. I think it closed down in 2017, but it's closed down now. He came out of there, ultimately went to Howard, played two really good seasons at Howard, one of the top scorers in the country in both his rookie or freshman year and then sophomore year, and elected to transfer out of Howard. Certainly was tied in with Kevin Nickelberry, who he and Howard uh, or he parted ways. Ultimately, maybe Howard didn't renew his contract, let him go, whatever the case was. And so now R.J. Cole is transferring to UConn. But what do we need to be able to do to retain it? We can get the players in. I mean, that. I mean, it, it is a bit of an issue, but when you have a guy like an R.J. Cole, and I did a piece, it's interesting, I did a piece, um, it, it's on our website, you'd have to search for it, but I invite you to Google it, but I did a piece um, on R.J. Cole. Matter of fact, I had a chance to talk to R.J. Cole shortly after he declared that he was going to uh, verbally declare that he was going to Howard University. This was when he was a junior. And then Trump was elected shortly 
thereafter. And I did this piece on what a Trump White House would look for HBCUs and more specifically HBCU athletes. And maybe, you know, we could see a trend of the R.J. Coles that would go to our historically black colleges and universities and play ball there, elevating the programs, because ultimately, I think, you know, especially when you you're playing basketball and when you're playing baseball, um, you know, it's OK to go. I mean, you're, you're going to bottom line is you're going to get seen. I think, you know, it's a little bit different when you're playing football because you're talking about, especially if you're talking about FBS and FCS, all of the HBCUs that are Division One are in the FCS classification. So you're going to get a lot more exposure, play against probably more comp, uh, stiffer competition on a regular basis at an FBS program. But when you're talking about baseball and basketball, there's an opportunity to still be able to excel, play ball um, at an HBCU on the Division One level, and then ultimately go on to play pro ball. So you know, have a situation with R.J. Cole. I'm sure inextricably he was tied to Kevin Nickelberry. When Kevin Nickelberry was not retained by Howard, R.J. Cole moved on. It's a situation where um, the the coach was able to sell the player. Not not that Nickelberry sold um, himself uh, to R.J. Cole. Just a situation where there was the, obviously that bond there between R.J. Cole. Uh, and or apparently at least and Nickelberry because ultimately uh, Nickelberry's out and R.J. Cole moves on. But even if you look at, I mean, we can bring up some other situations, but I'm looking at Howard University more specifically. You go back to a couple of years ago when James Daniel, who was the leading scorer in Division One basketball, decided to ultimately transfer to Tennessee, which is where he played this year. Okay, this was after his junior year, was raised in the Howard University men's basketball program, ultimately transferred to Tennessee. And then also going some years back, a a gentleman, if you if you, you know, for especially from for some of you younger folks. And then obviously some of the older heads are going to remember a young man by the name of Xavier Singletary, who may be in the same vein was tied to a coach by the name of Mike McLeese, who he coached at Dunbar in Washington, D.C., ultimately signed with Howard, played two years at Howard. And I can't remember if McLeese was out and then Singletary transferred or Singletary transferred before McLeese was out, but ultimately Singletary transferred to Boston College. And actually, and this was at the time, uh, I don't know, Boston College was still in the Big East at the time. Um which was which was not a bad thing for Boston College back during that time and ultimately had a lot of success his last two years at Boston College. Bottom line, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a Howard trend, but what I am saying is that three big time players playing at HBCUs that ultimately transferred uh, that playing at Division One HBCUs that ultimately transferred to another Division One program that was a non-HBCU, and by the way, to bigger programs ultimately, all came from Howard. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today on the program. How you know we're getting some of the student athletes in? How do you ultimately get them to stay at the various universities? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. If you want to join in on the conversation, how do we get student athletes 
to stay, to first of all come prime student athletes, top student athletes, to ultimately come, especially basketball. I mean, again, football is a little bit different because you have two classifications of Division One football. You have FBS and FCS. And But in that same vein, on the FCS front, how do you get top-tier FCS players to go to HBCUs as opposed to non-HBCUs? Um, uh, and then ultimately in terms of basketball, as well. Hit me up via Twitter at Box the Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We're going to discuss hot more air, on the other side. So hot and So hot and Oh! Hey, what up? It's your man, Nelly. And you listen to From the Press Box to Press Row. So hold it down, all right? Later. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's beef jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com, or call them toll-free, 844-340-7600. One three. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to the Press Row. Already know what's happening when I step in this hill And I know you heard of me Cause I'm right there off the GT and Durban And you've been about serving me Ever since you heard my song I got you You want that camouflage love fine Well you got me I just wanna see you wobble Like your mama's one that lado Like your daddy Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row Them safety girls Them no limit Rolling with you dolo On today's program It's just you and I Just you and I Of course generally We have guests on the program From all walks of life, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, whether it's uh, political from time to time, from all walks of life, because I want you to hear, you know, I, I like on this program, I like for I like to interview people that I have an interest in interviewing, more importantly, that I think you'll have an interest in hearing from. And so, but it's just you and I today. It's just you and I today. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of music. You know, when I hear this song and when I hear any No Limit record now, 
it takes me back to my days at Morgan State University. As a matter of fact, 20 years ago is when I graduated from Morgan State University. It was technically December of 98, but my graduating class was 1999. And it just takes me back. It was the weekend before Memorial Day uh, weekend when I graduated. And it just takes me back to a great, a, a, a really... You know, a good time in my life. And by the way, love for you to share your memories on today's program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, as well as on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Maybe this song reminds you of something, or just generally speaking, as we remember loved ones, um, as we remember uh, our military, our first responders, um, that have uh, have risked their lives so that we can have a better life and just memories that come back to you in general. I want to hear from you. But again, this song in any No Limit record sort of reminds me of my days again at Morgan State University. I was there from the spring of 96 until the, uh, the end of 1998. And... You know, I, I started on this path like I was at, you know, a, a in in uh, Montgomery County, it's a, a community college called Montgomery College. I had, uh, you know, been there for like three and a half years on and off a little bit, I guess, and finally got things together and transferred and enrolled by just I mean, by, really by the grace of God, quite frankly, just by the 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 skin of my teeth, if you will. You needed to have like a 2.0 average, certain amount of credits to transfer to Morgan State. I had like a 2.05, you know, just being honest, coming out of Montgomery College after I fooled around for some years, but finally got myself together, really more so the last couple of semesters and Morgan State let me in. And, you know, you know, at first it was, uh, you know, you're kind of trying to find your way. Yes, I was an older student coming into Morgan State University, so I... You know, I sort of, I mean, I had a work ethic. I was working. I was working at the Library of Congress at that time, so I had a work ethic, and but didn't really know what I was trying to do, didn't have a major at that time. I knew that I liked sports, and I knew I was going to have to eventually declare a major sooner or later because by the time I transferred to Morgan, I had enough credits, whereas I was a sophomore. And so... One day, you know, I, 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 and I may have put that, I may have actually said, okay, well, let me just declare a major. And it was communications. I, I originally started as a general studies major. So like that first semester, you know, trying to get your feet wet, taking some, you know, some courses, I ended up, you know, you know, getting fairly okay grades, let's say that, uh, that first semester, but really sort of acclimating myself to Morgan state. I was staying on campus, um, I was still working at the Library of Congress. I was actually staying at home in in the Washington area on the weekend. So it was, you know, sort of that whole dynamic had a sort of had a car that, you know, worked most of the time anyway. And the times it didn't, I took whether it was uh, it was a, uh, a train service called it wasn't Amtrak. It was. Uh, oh, um, oh, I can see it plain as day. I can't think of the name of the service. They still have it now runs from like Union Station in D.C. to you know, to Penn Station in Baltimore and stops in between Odenton and Bowie, you know, where Bowie State is and so on and so forth. But anyway, um, so that next semester, fall of 96, I had to declare a major. 
I declared my major as communications or really at that time it was called telecommunications. And um, so you had to do one of these internships. You had to do an internship and they had a list of internships that you could do. And so I ended up looking at the list and, you know, I was a big sports fan still. I mean, I had some, uh, you know, I had, I didn't have much experience in terms of, sports other than talking with my friends about it and watching a lot of sports and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a, a thing, uh, one of the internships was in the sports information department at Morgan state. I had no idea what sports information was. All I knew is that it said sports. So I decided that's what I was going to do. I went in that very first day, met Mr. Joe MacGyver who had for a long time had been the sports information director at, at Morgan State, he is now um, an assistant athletics director at Morgan. Has been uh, at Morgan. Matter of fact, started the more the sports information department at Morgan. Has been, you know, as a as, as a student and and then ultimately um, uh, as a professional. Has been at Morgan State. Wow, uh, you know, in excess of forty years. And I met a gentleman, and you we've had him on the show um, over the years by the name of Lamont Germany, still the play by play voice for Morgan State football and I had a real interest in doing radio football on the radio I had a, and more specifically I had a real interest in doing play by play you know I came up um, you know it was a different time so when I came up when I would go to bed I would uh, turn to and people in, uh, in in the Washington area can appreciate this my radio would be tuned when I go to bed especially in the summertime to Baltimore Orioles games um, it would be tuned to uh, to Washington Bullets games. They were the Bullets at the time. Or uh, even Capitals games. Or there was a show on WMAL at the time called Sports Call with Ken Beatrice. So that's where that sports bug and, and on, from a radio perspective really came in for me. So anyway, fast forward, met Lamont Germany, had an interest in doing it. He really took me under his wing because he saw that I had an interest. And that semester... I think it was that semester. I, you know, he, I started, you know, traveling with the team, uh, with a, a little bit and, and, and ultimately was able to go, uh, on the road and, um, being halftime analyst and with basketball and football. And then to the point that by the time it was my last semester at Morgan state, which was the fall of 1998, I was hosting Morgan State's halftime show by myself. So we'd do some pre-roll stuff. We'd have like a player of the week or something in a different sport other than football. Or I would have a player, uh, maybe an injured player would come on, a football player would come on with me at halftime and we'd talk or we'd do some kind of pre-packaged deal. But, you know, it got to that point. And then it got to a point where, you know, even after I graduated, he'd take me on the road, even games that basketball games that we weren't doing that that the radio station wasn't broadcasting that he would let me do those games play by play he would do color make my mistakes that's how I really ended up in radio quite frankly used to have a show um, uh, uh, there on WEAA Morgan State University's um, campus radio station oh man the name of the show escapes me but he hosted that show I would come on Lamont Germany I would come on that show from time to time. So that's how sort of I really cut my teeth. But again, a song like that, anything from No Limit brings me back to those days at Morgan State University, even more specifically in that last semester. Matter of fact, in that last semester, 
was working at the Library of Congress, was interning at, um, at Fox 45 in Baltimore, was the sports editor of the student newspaper, the, the spokesman. Um, so I was doing, you know, doing a lot of different things. I wasn't staying on campus at that time, so I was staying back in the Washington area at home. I was just doing a bunch of stuff. And um, but one of the things, in addition to being the sports editor of the spokesman, the features editor, his name escapes me now from time to time because it was a different time back in the day. Radio, uh, not stations, but the record companies used to send you CDs to review. And that's how you marketed. That's how especially a, a, a company like like No Limit, because they want they want to reach that college audience. So they would send us CDs of all the artists that would come out, you know, Fiend and Silk the Shocker and Mystical and all of these, all of those guys from No Limits. So from time to time, I would listen to those CDs and then I would do a review, especially when he didn't have time to do it. Not only would I do my sports editor responsibilities, but I would also do a review on various CDs from No Limit. So that particular song um, just takes me back to a different time um, in my life at um, again at Morgan State University and so again I want to hear from you again it's just you and I today I want to know on this Memorial Day weekend what kind of memories do you have whether it's growing up whether it's something that happened 10 years ago whether it was something again that happened in your childhood whether it's something that happened at a specific event whatever the case may be Hit me up via Twitter, Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I'm going to be talking NBA playoffs. We got a series in the Eastern Conference Finals. It looked like Milwaukee was going to run away with that thing, especially after game two when they just obliterated Toronto and at the end of the day, Milwaukee had a bunch of chances. I mean, I, I get it. They had to come back in game three. You know, uh, Antetokounmpo ultimately fouled out of that game. And that was big, not from an offensive standpoint for Milwaukee, because he wasn't doing a lot offensively. But when you take that defense out and the fact and, and the fact that he's always a threat on the offense, plus he was getting all those really like 23 rebounds in the game. That element was gone. So Toronto was able to capitalize on the element of rebounding. And I think that's where Milwaukee lost the game or where Toronto ended up winning the game, even though it went into double overtime. Um, you know, you had that different di- you had that dynamic, but we got a heck of a series. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about the Magic Johnson situation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And we're going to do that on the other side of this break. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row Memorial Day weekend. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, and on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. What are some of your favorite memories? It's just you and I today on the program, no guests just you and I earlier on in the program talked about the fact that RJ Cole first team box to row all American was last year's box to row rookie of the year top 10 scorer in division one basketball the last two years is transferring or has transferred now to UConn and again seems like we can get him in at these HBCUs not able to keep them all the time, although there's obviously a lot of guys we are able to keep. I mean, look at a guy like a Darius Leonard 
from South Carolina State. Now, there was some talk. Now, remember, he was recruited by Clemson when he was in high school, didn't have the, you know, just didn't have the prerequisites that were needed to qualify to go to Clemson, ultimately signed with South Carolina State, uh, redshirted a year. And there was some talk that in his senior year, he may, he may, because he graduated, because he graduated, he could, he could go and play with another division one, meaning FBS pro any FBS, FCS, whichever program he wanted to play with right away because he had already graduated. Um, and, and again, I don't know that to be a fact. There was some talk of that and ultimately stated South Carolina state second round picking was the AFC's rookie of the year. So, I mean, you know, but, I mean, he was sort of a late bloomer, a, a guy that wasn't highly recruited. Again, you look at a guy like an R.J. Cole, highly recruited. Um, but, you know, Georgetown was in the mix, and a lot of those Ivy school, League schools were in the mix to recruit him. Ultimately went to Howard, played two years. Um, again, Kevin Nickelberry's out, and now R.J. Cole is moving on to UConn. So, you know, talked a little bit about that. I want to transition a little bit here on the program and talk about the Magic Johnson situation. Of course, on Monday he came on first take to give his side, and we gotta we gotta reiterate that and, and make it known that he gave his side of the story, all the things that went down with the Los Angeles Lakers with him between him and Rob Palinka. And listen, I'm inclined, and, and again when. Everything when he decided to step aside and even gave that interview uh, with reporters to say that he was, in fact, going to step aside, that he didn't want to really um, let Jeannie uh, Jeannie Buss know face to face that he was, in fact, going to retire. I mean, my my thought was quit. And I mean, again, as I stated at that time and have stated since, that's just not a that's just not a word that I associate with with Magic Johnson. My favorite player coming up, my favorite favorite athlete coming up was Magic Johnson. So it was a little bit disappointing. And I you know, my thought that was that there had to be something deeper than what he was saying at the time that there had to be in fact another reason. Now, he came on first take and you know, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, I mean, they asked the hard line questions, asked some good questions, some tough questions. And, 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 you know, after a while, because I think, you know, when I was listening to it and, and again, it, it's important when you listen to something in its context as opposed to excerpts from it. So I heard it in its con. Well, at least the first part of the interview in its context. And he probably talked, I would say, for about six minutes or so without interruption in terms of how things were from his perspective. Now. You know, there's always two sides to each story. Um, you know, we haven't heard from uh, Rob Palenka in depth. Of course, when Frank Vogel was introduced as the new head coach of the Lakers, the question was asked or that he was asked to respond to what Magic Johnson had to say uh, about uh, from the interview. And he, he did respond and essentially said um, that it wasn't true, that what Magic was saying wasn't true. So obviously and always, there's always two sides to either to to every story. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's an element of what a person thinks. Meaning, in in this case, what Magic Johnson thought 
and Rob Palenka denied, um, you know, you would think that somebody's not telling the truth in this particular scenario. But in a lot of scenarios, it's the person's truth as opposed to if the person is lying or not. I'm inclined. Have, and, and again, I heard I didn't I didn't hear the entire press conference. And, and again, it was a press conference to introduce Frank Vogel. A question came up to Rob Palenka. So I, I had a chance to listen to that in terms of from an excerpt standpoint. I didn't listen to that interview in or that press conference in its entirety. But I, I heard I mean, and I didn't listen to Magic's press conference in its entirety, but I heard the first part of it again in real time and and i'm inclined in everything that magic was saying i mean i'm inclined to to in fact believe that what magic johnson was saying was true everything that he was saying was true um that in fact um i mean i I don't know that I, i can't remember now if magic actually used the word backstabbing i think stephen a smith said backstabbing and and in essence uh, Magic Johnson said yes, so I guess you know, but he didn't. He didn't actually say uh, Rob Palinka was a backstabber or Rob Palinka backstabbed me. He did uh, reference the fact that other agents reached out to Magic when he first accepted that position, and Rob Palinka was to work alongside of him. That other agents said to him, "You need to watch that guy." But then again, I mean, how how much can you take with that? Um, a lot, you know, I mean, it's just a, you know, that agent deal is sort of a dirty business, if you will, uh, in a lot of respects as well. But again, I'm inclined to believe what Magic Johnson had to say and mostly what he had to say. Again, Magic Johnson, uh, my favorite athlete growing up, five-time NBA champion, three-time NBA MVP, um, helped to to save the NBA along with Larry Bird and Dr. J, um, you know, if it wasn't for those three, there we, we there may not be the NBA that we know it to be now. Um, had a magnificent career um, and ultimately, but more so a hero in the black community as well. When he opened up those Starbucks and he opened up those Magic Johnson theaters in black neighborhoods, I might add. When he opened up, uh, you know, Starbucks, uh, oh, TGI Fridays as well. So he did a lot in the black community. And he's, a, you know, obviously an astute and a great businessman as the owner and owner, the owner of the L.A. Dodgers as well. And like he said, if it's not fun for me, I'm going to walk away. Now, you know, I, I know, you know, he said something that probably caught the ire of a lot of people that and one of the things that he said was when he first took the job, he let Jeannie Buss know up front that, hey, I'm going to he and he used the words in and out. He said, I may be in and out. I have other businesses to run. I'm not going to relinquish any of the businesses that I have to to, in fact, run the Lakers. And I think a lot of people took that particular excerpt or, or that particular statement in what he said and sort of ran with it that he was working part time. no. Let me let me give you my perspective. He wasn't that it wasn't to mean that he was working part time. I think he had he and always has had the L.A. Lakers best interest at heart. When you think of the Los Angeles Lakers and you think all time Los Angeles Lakers. And I know Jerry West is the logo of the NBA. And, you know, Kobe Bryant is more recent. And, you know, great players have come out uh, and played in L.A. and. 
have 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 started as babies in, you know or, or rookies I should say in L.A. and have grown and gone on. You, when you think of the L.A. Lakers, you think of Magic Johnson. So I'm not inclined to believe that Magic Johnson would have not had anything other than the Lakers' best interest uh, in, for him and for the Lakers. I mean, he had the best interest of the Lakers at heart. So I don't think he was doing A lot of people try to use the word he was part-time. He wasn't doing this part-time. Uh, whenever, you know, and I think a great point was made, a lot of times, you know, when you're in a position like Magic, you let other people do their job. So basically what happens, especially when you're in upper management, is – People bring ideas and situations to you, and then you, as the 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 I forget it was the director of basketball operation, whatever his title was, he was over Rob Palinka. But the bottom line was that he made the decisions. He made a lot of the draft picks. He brought Lonzo Ball there. I think Lonzo Ball is going to be a really good player. All of those other players, those young players. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Brandon Ingram. He's sort of up and down. But I think, you know, ultimately he's he's a solid player. And then ultimately getting LeBron James to come to the Lakers. If Magic Johnson isn't in that position with the Lakers, I'm not sure that LeBron James ultimately comes to the Lakers. I mean, look at all that LeBron had to work with. And he knew he had, you know, some of the challenges that were going to be presented to him coming in, working with a lot of young guys. He's in the latter part of his career now he doesn't probably doesn't want to be able to have to teach guys how to play he wants guys maybe have a couple of young guys that are key pieces but also wants to have superstar level players or near or or near superstar veteran players that can ultimately help him win a championship with the lakers so if magic's not in that position then i i think ultimately lebron james doesn't come to the L.A. Lakers. Again, had a chance to listen to that interview, and I'm inclined to believe um, pretty much every, you know, I don't, I don't see, Magic is a a straightforward guy. If you've, if you, if you've watched Magic over the years, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't shuck and jive, and he doesn't fool around and all that kind of stuff. He's pretty straightforward. So, I mean, I'm not inclined to believe that all of a sudden now, you know, he's going to, you know, lie to me, you know, um, you know, and that's just, you know, that's just sort of my perspective on the whole Magic Johnson uh, situation. In the, and, and still, it's just a bad situation there now in L.A. What's ultimately going to happen with the Lakers? Will a superstar or a really, really good player ultimately come and join LeBron James in LA and more specifically with the Lakers. Could it be a Kimball Walker? Could it, you know, could, could, could the Anthony Davis situation still, you know, happen? Could it be Kawhi Leonard? Who's a free agent at the end of the season? We'll ultimately see how those things in fact play out your thoughts on this Memorial day weekend. Hit me up via Twitter and Instagram at box to row B O X T O R O W. Also on Facebook, B O X, the number two, R-O-W. Our last segment is coming up next. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking NBA playoffs and more specifically the Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee and Toronto as from the press box to press row continues. Now we fly through the stars, but this night will last forever. 
Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. Memorial Day weekend in the last segment gave my thoughts on the whole Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, Los Angeles Lakers situation. If you want to weigh in on that or give me a, a particular or some um, memories that you have on this Memorial Day weekend, hit me up via Twitter, Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, also on Instagram and on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Game five, game six, I should say, of the Eastern Conference Finals is going to take place on Saturday in Toronto with the Raptors leading three games to two. And again, I think Milwaukee had its opportunities in game three. No doubt uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo being uh, fouling out late in that game or in overtime really affected, I think, the Bucks more so from a defensive standpoint and a rebounding standpoint because when you have Giannis in the game from a rebounding standpoint, he only had 12 points in that game, but his rebounding presence and then his presence, even though he was off offensively, sort of as a decoy, I think would have been key. 
But if I look at game five, and I thought game, what a game. Game five was absolutely outstanding, particularly in the third quarter when Toronto made its run and really started to take control of that game. Van Fleet was absolutely tremendous in that basketball game, more specifically in the third quarter. And I thought that Milwaukee, um, I gave Toronto all of the credit. I thought that Milwaukee sort of, you know, if you will, faded um, a little bit late. I thought some bad shots hurt them. I also thought, my thing, you know, the thing about it, the 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 one guy I think for Milwaukee that has been missing in action throughout the course of this entire series has been Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe was, quite frankly, terrible in Game 5. He, see, this is this is sort of the thing. You know, he's a guy that can control, the, he, he runs the point, he can do some other things. You know, he got hot early, but then really after that first quarter, he was pretty much non-existent. And I thought there were some points in the fourth quarter that I was wondering why he was in the game and not George Hill. Because if you look at George Hill and you look at George Hill, especially in that third quarter, I thought George Hill was really, really good. I thought he hit some really big shots. And George Hill is 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 he's he's playoff tested. He's battled in these playoffs throughout the course of his career. And, you know, Bledsoe, the thing, I mean, he definitely was off, I think, more so than anything else with me for Bledsoe, he lacked a lot of confidence in this game. It was a couple of shots that he took in the fourth quarter where he took the shot. He knew it was off. He was trying to go and get his rebound, trying to figure out where the rebound was going to go because he knew the shot was off. And I just thought that, you know, I just think that, you know, he has been sort of, uh, not sort of, but he has definitely been a guy that has been missing in action and a guy that um, certainly that, uh, uh, the Bucks have wanted to rely on and just have not been able to do so. But again, I, I would, you know, I would also say, well, you know, this is a guy that doesn't need, you know, didn't need to be in certain situations. I thought in the fourth quarter, I thought obviously Chris Middleton didn't have a good game at all. You know, the thing about it for Milwaukee, it's a team that hits big shots or at least in this series a team that has hit big shots in the big moments and you knew even early on okay they lost the the last two games it goes back to Milwaukee the crowd is behind them and I mean they started out like gangbusters uh give Toronto credit they made their runs especially towards the latter part of that first half, even though uh, uh, ultimately Milwaukee opened up a little bit more of a lead. But that third quarter was absolutely critical. Um, Van Fleet, again, was huge. Kawhi Leonard in this in, in this basketball game throughout the course of the game, showing why he is the best in, in regaining his crown as the best two-way player in the game. Remember, he was out last year maybe got off to a bit of a slow, I don't want to say, no, nah, nah, he didn't get off to it. Not, it's not that he got off to a slow start this year. It's just that, you know, he's really come on in the playoffs. Like he's been like gangbusters really in these playoffs. And you look at another 30 point plus game. You look at another really magnificent defensive game. You look at him hitting some timely shots, knowing when to take some shots, getting to the free throw line. I think he only missed one free throw. He was something like eight for nine from the charity stripe. 
And I mean, you know, he has really stepped up. Meanwhile, when I, you know, when I look at, uh, at look at, at Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, listen, I know he tweaked that, he tweaked that ankle late. And so he had to come out for a possession or two down the stretch to try to get himself together. But I think even before that, the thing about Giannis is when he's, I, I don't think that Milwaukee at times, and especially in throughout the course of this game and really throughout the course of the series, he's not getting the ball in the right positions. To me, he has that spin move that's devastating. You know, certainly he's a guy that can be absolutely um, dominating, but where they're giving him the ball sometime, you know, out uh, at the top of the key at times on breaks, getting the ball a little bit too soon. I think he needs to be able to post a little bit more, get down low a little bit more. Certainly, you know, he's hit some outside shots. That's not the issue. It's just at times he forces it. It was a couple of times in the fourth quarter, and it was one time I'm thinking about in particular, and I think maybe at the time Milwaukee may have been down by I don't know, two or three points. And, and Milwaukee sort of hung in there in the fourth quarter. You looked at, at at what Toronto was able to do, especially about midway through the fourth quarter, early on to midway through the fourth quarter. They opened up, you know, a six or eight point lead. And Milwaukee sort of stayed around. They were able to come back and pull it within three, pull it to within two. But I think Giannis on a couple of possessions really forced it. And, and it, and it's it's to me it's where he's getting the ball and where he's forcing it. It'd be different if he was getting the ball down low. At times he was able to get the ball down low. It was one possession where he made a nice spin move, was going to the rack, had a finger roll, and Gasol, who's an outstanding defender, came over and blocked it. You know, so it's sort of those kind of things that are hurting the Bucks. Just little subtle things. Um, I think again, Giannis. Um, doing trying to do a little bit too much uh you know sort of in my opinion I just think he was trying to do a little bit too much at times but I mean I think overall uh you know listen overall you know he had a solid game like you can't ask for a lot more 24 points six six rebounds and six assists in the game but he's got to get some help I mean I realized that Eric Bledsoe I mean if you look at the stat line and you say okay Eric Bledsoe had 20 points but you know, a lot of those points again were early on. I think he had, you know, he had eight points like in the first, you know, couple of minutes within the first five minutes of the game or so. And then he really tailed off. Yeah, he was able to hit a couple of other shots. But I think that 20 points is a little bit um, uh, it, it, it's 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 misleading. But Chris Middleton, six points in the ball game. I mean, Chris Middleton's got to be better than that. We know that the Bucks are a good defensive team and I thought that they played some good defense I mean I you know you you got to give a lot of the credit to the Raptors again Kawhi Leonard absolutely tremendous in the game 35 points uh you know even Kyle Lowry I mean I, I I talked about Lowry I talked about him a couple of weeks ago and you know really he's sort of been uh missing in action in the playoffs over the last couple of years quite frankly but solid and especially with his ball handling and he's protecting the basketball and he's getting other people involved so even if he's not scoring 
you know, he's able to to distribute and he's hitting some buckets when they need some buckets hits. By the way, he had six points in the ball game, but it was really Fred Van Fleet again um, to me in, 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 in game five, um, the third quarter, absolutely tremendous fourth quarter, especially early on also was able to hit some big shots. And then you had Leonard that was able to close things out and help Toronto um, to take a, this is really right now, even though the series is three games to two, I think it's three games to two. I think it's a commanding three games to two because on Saturday now you have to go back to Toronto for game six. And quite frankly, I just don't see Toronto hasn't lost, obviously, in this series at home. They get a big win on the road uh, on Thursday. And I just don't, I think Toronto closes this thing out and by the way, if Toronto is unable to close this thing out, they're going to be in serious trouble having to go back to Milwaukee. So home, I, listen, home court advantage has been absolutely in, in the crowds, the fans, and I know a lot was made about Drake uh, in, in Toronto. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Drake is a, you know, to just call him a fan is, is, is sort of ridiculous to me. He's, you know, he's Drake at the end of the day, whatever his involvement is, um, you know, you can sort of say what you want. Uh, but, you know, bottom line is being at home for both of these teams has been absolutely tremendous. Um, and so certainly we'll have to see how things play out on Saturday. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you for joining me on the program today, just you and I. For more information on the show, you can log on to our website at boxtorow.com. And until next week, always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. love began to rock. Give the sister love and pride Feel pretty and satisfied I'm not a girl to live But I feel like a butterfinger I want to do it 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 Do it